Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. We are back with a brand new episode of Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. As always, we are brought to you by SportsNot.com. Mandatory minicamp took place this week for the Raiders out in Henderson. They had three days of on-the-field workouts that wrapped up on Thursday. We had a chance to hear from a couple different coaches and a couple different players. Uh, The team will come back together again next week for four more days. They go back to... uh, OTAs next week, which are volunteer, uh, that begins on June 12th and runs through June 15th. And then after that, you will not hear or see uh, from these players again until the start of training camp. So we're going to be going into that dead period, that kind of quiet period, or you hope it's a quiet period anyways, uh, for the NFL uh, before things begin to ramp up again into in mid to late July when training camp gets started. Now, this week on the show, we are going to focus on the defense. Uh, Particularly, I want to talk about one player, Divine Diablo, who he was the talk of minicamp this week. You know, Tuesday, um, Josh McDaniels met with the media. He had some really nice things to say about Diablo, some very high praise. Uh, Divine Diablo, he also spoke to the media on Tuesday. You know, he's entering year three with the Raiders. And we all know the concerns that are out there uh, for this team at linebacker. The coaches are really expecting a big jump from him in year three. I will discuss the expectations that uh, are on that young man and uh, what what he's going to be asked to do here going into the season. Also, this week, I, I want to spend a couple of minutes going on a little bit of a rant and and there's something that's been annoying me <laughs> lately, so uh, I thought we could have a little bit of fun with that this week as well. Here's a little bit of a teaser just to kind of give you a little bit of a, a clue as to what I'm going to be talking about. It has something to do with rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell, so stay tuned to hear more about that. But I do want to get started this week with some, uh, you know, just some quick headlines from the week at minicamp. They did have full attendance this week at at the mandatory week of practice, although there was one player who was absent, and that was Josh Jacobs, and that was you know something that we were all expecting, coaches, players, and fans, and, and that is because he has still not yet signed um, the uh, the franchise tag, or and and so uh, McDaniel's made that very clear that. Uh, he respects that process. He understands, you know, the situation, and he knew very well that Jacobs, of course, would not be there uh, during the week. Now, my level of concern uh, is starting to increase just a little bit. Um, you know, the deadline to get a long-term deal done is July seventeenth, uh, so there is still plenty of time there to get a long-term deal done. But we haven't really heard about much progress on that front. 
Um, you know, Jacobs is obviously looking for the long-term deal. That's, that's what he wants. He will most likely, if they give him the long-term deal, become you know, one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL, if not the highest paid, rightfully so. He's coming off an all-pro year. And so it was a perfect storm for him having the contract be um, come up at, at that time when he, you know, puts together that unbelievable season. But as you know, contracts for running backs, they can be very, very tricky. Now, many of you guys may disagree with me out there on my position where I stand with this whole contract situation with Josh Jacobs. I prefer the Raiders, and I've talked about it before, the Raiders do not give out a big money contract to him. I I, I said it uh, during the season last year. I still feel the same way right now. I like the leverage that the, the franchise tag gives the organization. And for me, that's where my priorities, that's where my loyalties lie. It's with the team first. I, I, I will never put a player before the organization. I, I didn't do it with Derek Carr. You know, um, you know, I thought it was time to move on from him. I, I didn't think it would be wise to bring him back and pay him, you know, $40 million a year. I thought, you know, it was, it was time to move on as much as I have liked him over the years. I wasn't going to put him above the team, and I won't do it with Josh Jacobs as well. Um, I, I really like Josh Jacobs. I think he's a very good player for the team. He, he represents many of the things that you want in your locker room. He had a spectacular year last year, um, but we have seen time and time again uh, with these long-term contracts for running backs in the NFL, generally, they don't work out for the team towards the later years of the deal. Take a look. You don't have to look any further than Ezekiel Elliott as example number one. He signed a six-year contract, $90 million uh, just before the start of the 2019 season. I think he even held out for a short time, if I recall. Um, and, and that deal at the time made him the highest paid running back. And, you know, his play really fell off a cliff, um, you know, by his standards following that 2019 season. And, and he never lived up to that contract. And and he was only 24 years old when he signed that deal. So, you know, still kind of entering the prime of his career, Josh Jacobs is 25 right now. So um, just some things to keep, keep an eye on there. Now, my stance on this matter is that um, I, I hope Dave Ziegler stands firm, doesn't give out the big contract, um, because I, I think it could put the team in a bad spot uh, down the road in the salary cap. And, and that doesn't mean that I don't want to see Josh Jacobs in silver and black, because I absolutely do. Uh, but I want it to be a, a, a deal that is you know friendly for the team, that also takes care of Josh Jacobs, because he's earned it. Um, but I don't want... Dave Ziegler to jeopardize the future um, because, you know, you also, you have to be, let's be completely honest. The Raiders are not a running back away from being a contender. It, Josh Jacobs makes things much easier on offense. Don't get me wrong. He, but this is a rebuilding team right now. This is a team that's rebuilding. And unfortunately for Josh Jacobs, they may not be willing to pay him long-term right now. It's just, it may not be in the cards for him. So if I had to kind of take a guess right now and make a prediction as I sit here, um, June 8th here, um, late 10 o'clock on the East Coast here, I would say that a deal will not get done, a long-term deal, before that July 17th deadline. And I and I think Josh Jacobs is going to have to play on the franchise tag this year, which is, I believe, roughly $10.1 million, if I'm not mistaken. 
you know, he could try holding out, but I, there's going to be massive fines that are going to add up. And so, you know, I, I think he's going to have to, he's going to have to play it out uh, on, on the, on the franchise tag. So those are some of my thoughts there on Josh Jacobs and his contract situation. The other bit of news that I thought is is worth discussing this week is we got a little bit of an update with, with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and his recovery timetable. On, on the last show, if you had a chance to listen to that, we discussed Jimmy Garoppolo's foot injury. I gave him some of my, you know, my thoughts on that um, and the fact that, you know, the Raiders decided to go down that road sign, signing a quarterback that has been so injured as of late. Um, was injured when they signed him, in fact. And now he's he's already missing time, uh, valuable time, in my opinion. Training, uh, minicamp, OTAs, especially with, you know, working with new receivers on a new team, new offensive lineman, new center, all of that. Now, originally we were told when McDaniels first spoke about it, that he would be out until at least training camp. And McDaniels last week said that he has no anxiety. He, he He's not losing sleep over this. Everything is going uh, according to plan. Uh, and that he is totally confident that things are going to be just fine with Garoppolo. Now, according to what we heard this week from NFL insider Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, Garoppolo is expected to be back uh, long before the start of training camp. So let's take a listen to what uh, Ian Rappaport had to say. Here's my understanding of where it stands. Jimmy Garoppolo has been present for basically everything inside uh, the Raiders building. He has been present for all the OTAs. He's been present for minicamp, not taking part today. But from where he stands right now following surgery several weeks ago, he is expected to be ready long before training camp. That is barring any sort of snag in this process, barring any sort of issues with his foot, which is obviously a big caveat there. But he is expected, I'm told, to be ready for training camp. And if that is the case, if Garoppolo responds as he should following the first surgery that was necessary after he signed, and of course the contract adjustment, the guaranteed money that is now waiting for him, needs to pass a physical for all of that, uh, but if all of this plays out as it should for the Raiders, I know they are confident that this will be the case, then this will basically be over. He'll get the money that is due to him. The Raiders will have their starting quarterback. We can all put this little chapter in the Jimmy Garoppolo Raiders history behind us. So that was courtesy of the NFL Network. And, you know, that's, that's positive news. That's that's definitely what you want to hear. You know, I'm still not ready to declare things all good and not have any level of concern because until I see him out there on the field, then I will have some level of doubt in my mind uh, because, you know, we are talking about a, a quarterback with an extensive injury history. But, you know, looking at things on the on the positive side, it does, you know, it sounds like things are moving in the right direction with, with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and his return. Now, in the meantime, it's been a lot of Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell who have been getting a lot of the work at OTAs. And it's not the worst thing in the world that O'Connell is getting a lot of work, um, which this kind of all brings me back, uh, brings me to the portion of the show, I should say, where I, I told you I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Maybe I'm going to get on my soapbox here and, and maybe lecture a bit. Uh, so so bear with me. I try not to do this too much. I just mentioned Aiden O'Connell uh, getting some extra work with Jimmy Garoppolo um, out you know, not being available at, at minicamp. Have you guys noticed, I don't know if it's just me, but have have you guys noticed 
the amount of hype that Aiden O'Connell is getting. It, it is crazy to me what people are saying out there. Maybe it's some of you out there who are listening right now. Maybe maybe the tweets that I'm reading are, are some of the ones that you guys are putting out. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I'm seeing a lot of them. But there is one thing in, uh, especially, I should say, there's one thing especially that has been bothering me, and it's a certain beat writer who loves to hype up players, loves to. And I'm not here to take shots at beat writers because I respect them all. I, In fact, I've had all of them come on the show at some point over the last few years that I've been doing this podcast, with the exception of one, Paul Gutierrez. He's the one guy that I have not been able to get onto the show. Uh, I don't believe he does a lot of media. I, I think he goes on Raider Nation Radio, but I've never heard him on anyone else's podcast or anything like that. Anyways, um, so I, it's, there's nothing personal against the beat writers, and I'm not trying to like pick on anybody. But it's just something that I have noticed, and not only the last couple of months, it's been something that I've noticed for the last couple of years. And uh, I'm not going to give you the name of the beat writer, so you're going to have to kind of you know, be Sherlock Holmes here and, and try to figure it out. Um, but every year, whether it's in OTAs or minicamp or training camp, before the real bullets start flying is usually when this person he'll pick a a certain player, okay? And he will just gush and gush over them. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with reporting what you're seeing. If if you're seeing someone make a great play, fine, report it. That's fine. I I understand that's the job. And you can only report on the things that you're seeing. I I totally understand that. Um, But the players that, are being hyped up aren't guys like Max Crosby or Devontae Adams. It's guys like Cleveland Farrell <laughs> or Brian Edwards, right? You probably recall a couple of training camps ago when all we were hearing about was Brian Edwards. To me, it's it's as if this beat writer is trying to come up with a hot take. Like, yay, listen, I was the first guy, you know, I was in on Brian Edwards before anybody else was. That's the way I see it. And this year, his guy is Aiden O'Connell. His guy is Aiden O'Connell. Now, you you may have guessed already who I'm talking about at this point. Maybe not. And the thing that really annoys me um, in all of this is that, to me, it's like, He's 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 stirring the Kool-Aid, right? He's stirring it up, getting it ready, pouring it in the glasses for everybody, setting it all up because he wants everybody to start drinking it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being positive about a player. I understand that. But again, I just cannot believe some of the things that Raiders Twitter is out there saying about a fourth-round draft pick uh, who otherwise you didn't know about as you you know if as you go through the college football season you weren't hearing a lot about Aiden O'Connell that's for sure I mean you would think he's the next Tom Brady the way people are talking about him and and I know that I made a joke when they drafted him that you know comparing his athletic ability to Tom Brady but I don't actually think he's the next Tom Brady in fact I don't think he's the next anything 
I think he will be a career backup quarterback. That's what I think about Aiden O'Connell. And it's not a knock on the kid, but that's just what I think he's going to be. Could I be wrong? Sure. I, I could absolutely be wrong on this. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I'd love to see him become the next Patrick Mahomes. I really would. But but we got to be realistic right now. And and I normally don't tell fans how to fan. You, you should fan how you want to fan. I don't like to do that sort of thing. But can we please simmer down right now with the craziness that I'm seeing out there with Aiden O'Connell? And then, and, and this brings me back to the main point, the ringleader of the hype train. I put it on the, on him because when this person tweets out that Aiden O'Connell is making big time throws, Aiden O'Connell standing out again, doing this, doing that, it gets people thinking these crazy thoughts and it skews their view of what they already know. We we know what he, you know, what he is coming out of college. And you know, those same people who uh, who start to believe, wow, I, I think they got something in O'Connell. Maybe he could be, you know, the future. They start believing what they keep reading from these people when they're when they when the beat writers are tweeting it out or the certain beat writers they start to believe it. And then when it doesn't work out, they say, what the, what the hell? What the heck's going on here? O'Connell, he stinks. He never developed into anything. You told me he was going to be great. And, and that's the problem. And that's the problem. Now, even after, you know, I go back. Again, I go back to, I saw this happen with Cleveland Farrell. Even after two seasons of disappointment from Farrell, you know, it was clear to everyone that Farrell was a complete bust. This person kept banging the drum, kept trying to convince me and us that Farrell, no, he's a useful player. I keep seeing him make plays. I Did you see? I'm telling you. Same thing with Brian Edwards, okay? In practice, you get tweets all the time how, how many great catches he was making, how he did this, did that. And maybe, again, maybe some good plays were being made in camp and at practice. But But please, calm down. Calm down. I'm old enough now. You know, the, the the Evan 10 or 15 years ago, I would have fell for this. I would have been drinking the Kool-Aid too. But I, I don't I don't fall for that kind of thing anymore. And I'll end the rant with this. You you never know with any prospect. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, we don't know. Whether it's a first round draft pick, a fourth round draft pick, a sixth round draft pick, we have no idea right now what they're going to develop into. So I don't want to sit here and say that he's got no chance. You know, we could be looking back in a few years and say, you know what, I was wrong. And I, and I will admit that and I will own that if I am wrong. But I'm also not going to sit here and make hot takes, you know, that Aiden O'Connell is is the next starting quarterback for the Raiders because I don't believe that will be the case. Is he making a good throw here and there? Sure. But don't, start setting people up to drink the Kool-Aid. I, that Nothing bothers me more than uh, when that type of thing happens. And I want to remind you all of one very, very important thing. Don't forget, all the great things that you're reading about these players right now is happening in t-shirt and shorts with no contact, 
with no pass rush, with no blitz, no defenses, you know, disguising coverages, none of that. It is seven on seven right now. Two-hand touch football. That's essentially what they're watching. That's the end of my rant. So I hope that wasn't too bad for you there, but I had to get that off my chest. (laughs) What I want to do here now to wrap up the show this week is I want to um, take a look at the defense, as I I told you guys at the top. And and I want to talk about the linebackers, and I want to talk about the development and the expectations that are in place for Divine Diablo as he enters year three. And if you have followed, if you follow all the various uh, places to get your Raiders content through the beat writers, um, and all the all the various sites, you would know then a big topic this week. They all wrote stories on it. I think I read three different stories uh, on Divine Diablo, and, and I and I apologize if if this makes it more redundant, and if you're kind of tired of hearing about them. But I do think it's an interesting conversation to have, um, and, and we have talked about it many times here on the show, Just Pod Baby. And, and by the way, please make sure you're subscribing to the podcast if you have not yet do so now click the button you can find just pod baby on all the major podcasting platforms but i feel the linebacker position is by far the weakest position on the entire roster right now as it currently stands and not only is it weak it is a very inexperienced group of players there's currently eight linebackers on the roster how many will they carry once they uh whittle the uh the roster down to 53, I would say four to five linebackers. I think that's what they carried last year is around that number on the active roster. And I'll give you my early projection right now for linebackers to make the team. I'll give you five names. Obviously, you've got Robert Spillane. And I'm going to give you the numbers of experiences, uh, experience in the league that each of these players has as well. Spillane has played four years in the NFL. Divine Diablo, he has two years in the league. Luke Masterson I have making the roster right now. He's got one year. Uh, Butler, Darian Butler, he also has one year. And then I I think they're going to obviously keep the rookie they drafted, Amari Bernie, who was a rookie. So that is eight years of experience between five different linebackers. And so that's why I have major concerns with this group, not to mention there's just not a lot of talent there. Is there one guy that you look at in that group of names that I just gave you that you feel, okay, they, they got a solid linebacker in that one? Because I don't. Now, the NFL in general does not value the linebacker position. You generally do not see linebackers getting drafted very early. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule. I, Micah Parsons would be one of those guys, but he uh, you know, is one of those linebackers that can kind of rush the quarterback. Anyhow, you also don't see uh, linebackers um, sign these huge lucrative deals like you see other positions do in free agency. Now, my opinion of that is, is, is that because the game has changed so much with the amount of passing that is being done, you're just seeing a higher percentage of nickel defenses being played in the NFL with only two linebackers on the field. So some of these linebackers nowadays, you know, you're talking about glorified safeties. Divine Diablo, that's what he is. He's a safety playing linebacker. You know, you want linebackers nowadays that can cover, that can cover uh, tight ends and, and help match up with some of these players that you're, you're going up against. So I just think that there's a certain type of linebacker 
that, you know, they're just not valued as much anymore. Now, you could go back, think about the Raiders going back 10 to 15 years. They have not really invested that heavily at the position. Again, there are exceptions to that as well. Rolando McLean, I'm sure you all remember him. He was an eighth overall pick for the Raiders. You may also remember Corey Littleton, who they signed, you know, they gave him big money. Nick Kwiatkowski, in, in the same offseason, they signed those two guys, and that wasn't too long ago. Um, so you can find moves that were made here and there to kind of uh, counter my, my comment that I made about not investing heavily. Yes, I know that's true. But I think more recently also what they've done is try to put a patch on the position with guys who were maybe towards the end of their career, maybe looking to rejuvenate or kind of, uh, you know, get something more out of the end of these career of these players. I think about Navarro Bowman, you know, obviously he was an all pro with the 49ers and then he became available. Okay. The Raiders try to, you know, squeeze a little bit more out of that, you know, juice out of that, you know, but Vontez Burfecht is another guy I can think of KJ Wright, um, you know, other teams leftovers, you know, so to speak, the one time that I think it really worked out for the Raiders was with Denzel Perryman. You know, at least in that first year, they had him when he was really, really good. Um, I, I think he made the Pro Bowl that year. Now, speaking of Perryman, I think about the linebacker position, uh, or the group, I should say, last year. And even the year before that, in 2021, they had more of a veteran presence. They had Perryman, who had, a you know, at least, I think it was five years experience. Jayon Brown, you know, um... I mentioned Littleton and Kwiatkowski and and KJ Wright. Those were all guys that you know had some had some experience in the league. This year's group is built much differently. Very very young, and I and I think they lack that that true leadership. And that is where D- Divine Diablo you know steps in. It's only his third year, but he is going to be expected not only to be someone they can rely on on the field for his ability to tackle and cover and do all those things, but they're going to be looking to him as that leader, um, that vocal leader. And that's a hat that he has not had to wear in his previous two seasons. And you could also add another responsibility for him this year. And that's, he's going to be wearing the green dot, uh, you know, as like the captain, the quarterback of the defense. And, and that is something that Josh McDaniels spoke about, um, this week when he met with the media, he had a lot of nice things to say about Dion Divine Diablo. Let's take a listen to that right now. Um, you know, Divine's, I mean, he's a, I really, I really, I'm fond of Divine. Um, I think he knows that and, and uh, we're, we're, we've given him a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, he's wearing the green dot, you know, in practice, which is obviously a, um, a role that, uh, you know, young players, once they, once they have that on their shoulders, now they're responsible for more than just their job. You know, they're, they have to communicate to everyone else. Um, they have to be alert and aware of situational football um, because they're essentially the quarterback of the defense once you have that responsibility. So uh, Devine's grown every, literally every week uh, since I've seen him and known him. Um, he works really hard at the game of football. I think he's embraced this year as a year that, you know, is a growth year for him, um, not only on the field in terms of what he does on the field, but also how he can impact others. And I think that's something that you see from him every day. So 
pretty clear there that the coaches obviously feel comfortable uh, with the development of Diablo and in the short time that they've had to work with together. Now, I do find that interesting considering, you know, this is a new regime. This is year two for them. Uh, last year was year one. Diablo missed half the season last year. So it's it's impressive to me that he was able to uh, show them so much when he didn't even play in half of the games. And this is his you know second year in Patrick Graham's system. It's not as if he's been playing in this system for a number of years um, where he would be expected to help mentor young players. He's a young player himself. Um, I, I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how this all shakes out on the field. And it will be uh, one of the more intriguing storylines that I'm going to be paying attention to this season for sure. Now, when Diablo, I want to go back here and kind of do like a background um, on, on Diablo. When he came into the league from Virginia Tech, third round pick, um, he was primarily a, a safety with with uh, Virginia Tech. He came to the NFL as more of a hybrid. People kind of saw him as a mix of both. They wasn't quite sure where he would play best. Uh, maybe start out as a special teams guy and then eventually develop into a starter on defense. But in his final two years, he played majority safety. 13 starts at, at safety his junior year. And then his senior year um, in 2020, he only played nine games. And I, if I remember correctly, he missed two games uh, something, I don't know if he had COVID or it was COVID related, something along those lines. Um, but the point I'm making is he, he's still very, very new to the position um, of linebacker. And so to, to put all this responsibility on him of, as you heard McDaniel say there, not only does he have to know what his job is, but he also has to know the job of his teammates. I, I think that's a big ask for him. Um, but I, I do want to take a listen here now to uh, what Diablo himself thinks about you know, the added responsibility that he's going to be given this year of wearing the green dot and, and being the leader of the defense. Um, a lot more confident than I was last year. Last year, you know, I, I was, you know, new kid on the block. I was nervous. It's my first uh, year in the system. So now I'm more comfortable. Um, I've been doing it for a while now. So, yeah, I'm ready. If you had a chance to listen to the, uh, the, the interview in its entirety, he did talk a lot about being more comfortable in the system after one year, understanding the system more, and, and again, understanding his job and the job of his teammates, helping get them into the right position. And he was also asked um, about the injury last year, missing half the season, and, and how he used that as that experience as, as a chance to learn and, and see the game from a different perspective, studying the game, and, and again, just kind of giving him a different perspective and that's all fine. And I think that's great. And I think that shows a lot of maturity for a young player to stay engaged in the game uh, and, and trying to better your game, even though you're not out there on the field, you could still grow and become a better player rather than just sit there and show up and and be a cheerleader. Uh, But I still believe that there's a lot on his plate right now and uh, there's a lot for him to prove, and I'm, I'm interested to see how he will he'll handle that and how he'll react to all that. And there is one more wrinkle that you can throw into the mix for this young player. He spoke Tuesday also about the transformation that he has made with his body, adding some weight. It's been something that I've I've you know read according to the beat writers. I've been tweeting it out. He looks much bigger. Uh, you know, like he's been hitting the weight room and all that kind of stuff. Let's take a listen to his response when he was asked about that question. I feel like I need to do something. Um, I feel like uh, 
I need to increase weight to keep up with the linemen, but not too much weight so I can also be uh, do my part in coverage as well. You found that balance with work. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I might have got a little too heavy, but um, running out there on the field is going to help over time. Diablo came into the league weighing 225 pounds. Uh, said he needed to, to do something. Decided he needed to do something to help him, you know, with the physicality part of the game, being able to handle these bigger, stronger offensive linemen. So over the winter, obviously, um, hit the weight room hard, increased that protein intake. And, and got up to as, as, as high as 240. High as 240. You heard him joking there, laughing, that he thought maybe he even got a little too heavy. Uh, and he did admit a little bit later on that he's currently hovering around 234, 235. And that is the weight that you know he wants to try to maintain throughout the season. But this is all new to him. And it may not seem like a big deal, but it is. I mean, this is this is something that, you know, for an athlete is, is a big deal, especially... An athlete at this level, when you're trying to, um, you know, compete against other high-end athletes, adjusting your weight, being able to still run the same and all of that at a higher weight, it, it's it's something they, they have to be, you know, trained to do and comfortable to do. Now, he has the rest of OTAs, and he's had mini camp uh, to try to get more comfortable with it, but without having the pads on, I think it's truly difficult to know the, the impact that the added weight will, will have on him. We're going to have to wait until training camp to test that. But for now, it, it'll continue to be a work in progress um, for Diablo. But kind of wrapping this whole thing up here, the defense, you know, I we all have many questions about this defense as a whole. The, the back end of the defense, you know, how are these these new pieces and, and, the, and the youngsters in the secondary, how are they going to come together? That is going to be a, a major factor for the defense. How quickly will the new guys and then the the, the young pieces that they have uh, mesh? What will the pass rush get from Chandler Jones this year? I think that is a huge question mark. He, he too tweaked his weight coming in the, uh, a little bit lighter to OTAs. That was something else that was reported. He looks a lot thinner than he has. We'll see if that's something that'll benefit him. Tyree Wilson, the rookie first-round pick, we have yet to see from him. Uh, still in rehabbing from his ankle injury. You know, I, I believe that's still a question mark right now. You know, you never know what you're going to get from a rookie. Uh, we all hope that it works out, but you, you never know. Uh, the defensive line, they added some competition as well through the draft with uh, Byron Young and, and Nesta Cortez. You know, they, they also brought in a couple new faces in that position group. I think there's a lot of depth there. What are you going to get from Neil Farrell Jr. in year two? Matthew Butler? Um, does Bilal Nichols, you know, step up this year? Uh, Jerry Tillery is a guy they decided to bring back. So there's, there's again, there's, there's a lot of names there, but is there someone there that you can hang your hat on and say, yeah, he's going to be the one that's going to be the run stuffer or he's going to be the one that's going to help generate pa- uh, pass rush? from the inside. And and so those are some of my concerns, but there is no bigger glaring concern right now on the defense other than at linebacker. If Dion, uh, I keep messing up his name. If divine Diablo can develop into that player that Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham hope that he can be, then that would be a huge step in the right direction uh, for the Raiders. And if not, then that long trend continues for the Raiders of missing a a rock steady presence in the middle of the defense.
All right, guys, so those are some of my thoughts on the news from the week at minicamp. Uh, you will have one more chance to get your football fix here before training camp with the final OTA session next week, scheduled for June 12th, running through June 15th. And then the final day of media availability is scheduled for next Thursday. And after that, it's going to go radio silent until July and the start of training camp. Now, speaking of radio silence, it is time for me to say goodbye Thanks, everyone, for uh, hanging with me again this week. Subscribe to the show. Give me a follow on Twitter at egroat 5 and, and check out sportsnot.com as well. Until the next time, Raider Nation, I am Evan Grote. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care and just win, baby.